0: Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen indeed. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Oh. Okay, I've got to catch myself here. Oh, it's good having all of you here this morning. If maybe this is your first time or even your second or third time to Cornerstone. Uh, I try to always get around to meet everybody if I haven't met you yet. Uh, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here. And hi. Hi. <laughs> And like Billy said, you're our guest today. I mean, it's why we don't ask you to please you know, not to give. This is part of our local family, how we care for ourselves, how we care for our extended family and our community. And we're just excited that you're here today. But most importantly, we're excited you're here today on a very special day. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. This is a big deal for us. So we're glad to have you. I, I think it's just this beautiful celebration that all that was broken, Oh, our king was the one who made it whole, and so we, we do welcome you. If you've been here a long time, longer than me, I'm really glad you're here too. But here's what we're going to do this morning. I think, like, one of the things that we tried to do on Friday, let me, let me go get this stuff over here, is oh. we tried to talk about this idea oh, that all of us are broken. Now, in some ways, like what we did is we, we came up and we kind of put those areas, maybe how we were broken or how other people that are broken have, been, have affected us. But this one that I found is indulging, which you can probably tell this was probably mine. <laughs> but I think then there's other ones of just living in a fallen world like pain, right? Like in other words, we don't, we don't choose pain, but because we live in a fallen world, that's what happens. Some of us are desperately seeking validation. Some of us anger, hate, fear, there's worry in here, there's stress, there's all kinds of realities. Now we're gonna get to the answer of of like, if you weren't here on Friday night, there is an answer to all this brokenness, but I think it's not just even us individually, is it? Like I was sitting down and I was thinking this shirt through, and and again, I'm not even sure kind of how you feel right now, but it seems like our our families, our communities, uh, our state, Our nation and even our world is just flat out broken. In fact, I don't even care who you are or where you might live. I think that's kind of a universal reality. It's just this sense of the world we live in being broken. Now, I think everybody in the world has like an opinion, right, on why it's all broken. I guess kind of the old adage is true, right? Everybody has a belly button and so does everybody have an opinion. (laughs) thank you. I didn't write that one. But, but I think there's this side of it, no matter what our opinions are, I think there's just universal agreement. This thing is just flat out broken. Now, it's not just even in Simi. Maybe we have first world problems, so there might be degrees of brokenness, right? But my, a good friend of ours, they came in from out of town. They came from, um, from Montana on their, on their horse and buggy. And um, they got here and they wanted to see L.A., so we took them on a, you know, a three-hour tour, not with Gilligan, but with us. And for those of you who are younger, you don't have to laugh, it's okay. <laughs> but there was just this side of it. When we went from one end of L.A., talk about broken. And in fact, I would say this. If you don't think it's broken, that must mean that in some way that maybe for you, you've been a person that's been trying to pull away from culture, which means you're broken, but we'll come to that later. But there's just a side of it that when we look around the world and the world that we live in, that it just feels like it's broken. Now, for some people, right, the answer is to move, right? That's become the the thing within uh, the state of California. Um, That's why all the Idaho and the Wyoming and the Montana people hate us, just so you know. And I think in some ways we think, man, if we can just be around more people that think like me, it'll be better. It'll be less broken. But the problem is, as we kind of established like this person lying, wherever I go, I bring brokenness with me, don't I? Everywhere in the world, because all of us are broken, we bring this with us into the place in which we go so that by the time people get to these particular places to get away from maybe a place like this that feels more broken, they just learn it's a different degree of maybe brokenness. I think there's other people, man, they reminisce about the days gone by. I was sitting down and there was like a group of like three people that were older than me, you know, like in their 30s. And um, they, were, they were just talking about what life was like and how they missed life and how they enjoyed it more. You know, they understood the mess that was back then and how to live in that mess. and so in some ways, right, they were, just, they were wanting to go back into that place. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's kind of a silver lining mentality. I think the thing about the past is we, just, we knew how to hide our brokenness better. That's kind of some of the gist of it. I think there's other people, man, that they want to fight right now. They see the brokenness that's out there and they wanna fight. If people would just bend to my will, if people would just have my way of thinking, even if I'm gonna force them to think like I do, if they would just do this, the world would be a better place and maybe it would be better, but it's still just better brokenness. I think there's other people, right, in the back of their mind, they they really have sincerely sought to figure out how do they enter into the brokenness to bring about healing. A comedian that I just heard, he was kind of talking about this idea that humanity is evolving. That was kind of his idea, that, that really, that we're all kind of getting better, that it's moving in a better direction. And in some way, there's no doubt that's true. However, you've noticed, like, as we evolve, whatever that means, the brokenness just becomes more nuanced, And again, I think in some ways, we just learn to hide it better. And then I think there's other people that just wanna check out. They kinda wanna wait till good times kinda come again. They do it in all kinds of different ways, some of them with substances, some of them just feeding their way in which they can kinda bide the time. And then there's even others, I would say this, they've just given up hope. Isn't that great news? (laughs) Like, I thought I was coming to Easter Sunday and Todd was gonna help me understand the world a better way. He's depressing me. (laughs) But this is what it is. I do think there's an answer. And the answer is actually found, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'll just lay this out from the very front. The answer to all of the brokenness going on in our world today is answered actually in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why this weekend is so important to us. It is important because Jesus Christ, when He came, He did deliver that kill shot to sin that causes this mess and to death, which is the outcome of this mess, and Satan who stirred this mess. According to Colossians 2, when Jesus Christ did that, the world forever would be changed. Now, we're still living in brokenness, but I promise you the resurrection also tells a story about one day when King Jesus returns, all will be righted, and all that we've longed for will first be dealt with, but that still brings us back to the question, well, then what do we do with the brokenness? Well, what I want to do is I just want to kind of tell you all good news today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this might be recapped today, and that's okay. We need to be recapped on what does it mean of this good news of Jesus Christ. If you're somebody that's new, I would love for you to listen because I can't wait to tell you the greatest news of all time. See, one of the things that we know and especially when we look at why the Bible teaches this world is a mess, why it is so broken, is because humanity rebelled against God. You find that very first part in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, what it started was not just this, but the way that I would say it then, it just started a barrage of more rebellion against God. And when we look at this, we wonder how in the world can God ever solve this problem? Because again, I could bring all the other rocks up here and we just see within it that humanity has been this way for a while. We've rejected him. We continue to reject him. The outcome, we know this, is rejecting God as it demanded a consequence which the Bible calls death. It was a penalty in proportion to the crime. And we kind of understand what a penalty is in proportion to the crime. Like the probably about three or four years ago, I decided to jaywalk across Tappo Street. And a kind police officer <laughs> pulled up to me when I got over near Walmart and informed me that jaywalking on Tappo Street is a crime. <laughs> now, on one level, we understand the proportion of it. He gave me the, you know, the, the officer look and I felt all guilty like it was my mom staring me down. That was a, one proportion. <clears throat> but we also know if we murder somebody, that's a completely different proportion. The reality of this rebellion against God that's caused all of this mess, all this brokenness, like we said, is that we deserve Death. Now, that death is something that we might look at God and say, God, you know, I don't agree with how you're carrying it out. But you got to understand our God isn't just anybody. He's holy. He's infinite. And so, therefore, to rebel against a holy and an infinite God deserves a holy and an infinite punishment. Again, you can argue all you want, but listen to me. When you argue against that, you're saying, God, I don't want you to be just. And don't we want a God who is just? We want to know that in the end, there is a just God that in the midst of all this brokenness and heartache, and I would even say this, the evil in our world, we want to know that there's a God who is just, who is going to deal with what's going on in our world and that brokenness. Now, the solution I don't think is trying to now somehow self appease God, trying to pay the penalty for the way that I've rebelled against Him to alleviate guilt in which we now find ourselves. Because the Bible says that we can't, it's impossible. If this price truly is what it is, is infinite and holy, and this truth is why we celebrate the death and the burial of the resurrection of Jesus. God knew that we couldn't pay that price. And in knowing he couldn't pay that price, one of the greatest news of all about the Bible is that God came to us. Now, coming to us, Jesus wasn't just anybody. See, on one end of it, the Bible teaches us that, there we go, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwelt. He wasn't just anyone. He was full. Fully God. And as fully God now, He could be the one that could carry out now the penalty that was owed us because He was infinite and He is holy. But we also know that there's this other side of it. He had to die for humanity, us, and the perfect reality of this whole thing is, is then Jesus, and talks about in John, when one of Jesus' dear friends became flesh and he dwelt among us. Perfect God, perfect man, unlike anybody that had lived before him, anyone that would live after him. He lived without rebellion. He lived this life that was perfectly pleasing to God in every form, every facet, every way, in no way that any other human could ever live. Peter, probably the closest person to him while he was on earth, he said this about him. He said, he committed no sin, no rebellion, he was only pleasing to God. Now for all of us in this room, think about it. Already this morning, I've got a list of evidence against me in rebellion towards God. I was totally frustrated with my wife when I woke up that she stayed in bed and I had to get out. (laughs) I was frustrated that my dog was causing problems. There's just this litany of reality, and again, maybe those are small things, but because of that, Jesus Christ is the only one that could die in our place. That's what makes Friday so important. Therefore, either we, and here's the biggest thing, either we who are rebellious and finite pay the penalty for our death of an infinite length of time under infinite judgment for the infinite King Jesus pays it once. Jesus went to the cross. He paid the debt we owe to God for our sin because he could. And now those who trust him, or like as another close friend of Jesus has put it, John, those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're covered by his sacrifice. We'll inherit the kingdom of God, not just as anybody. We won't just come in as plebes or as slaves. We come in fully as sons and daughters. That's this whole reality. The price he paid didn't just make us right. It made us who God intended us to be, princes and princesses within his kingdom on this world. That's how amazing this price is that Jesus Christ paid. However, the proof that Jesus satisfied the infinite holy God wasn't just in his death. See, the resurrection, what we're celebrating right now was proof that Jesus's sacrificial death on our behalf was fully accepted. Only he, this is the key part of it, only he who created life can resurrect life. And Jesus was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit and holiness By his resurrection from the dead, who he said he was when he came up from the grave, the father declared, yes, he is. I think what's so powerful about that is not just that now Jesus was the one who could be this this one who had paved the way, who was made right, but I think then he takes this hideousness of death itself, he entered into it, he came out from it, and so therefore he's the only one that can remove the sting of the grave. And then when Jesus ascended back to the Father, he seated at the right hand of God in glory as he is right now, he was validated. He was declared to be truly the one that had paid the price And he then opened the door for everyone so that when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand. And in Hebrews 2.10 now, it says that he has opened the floodgates for many sons and daughters to come to him. And let me talk to all of you in here that are followers of Jesus. That's who we are. We aren't just anybody. We are sons and daughters of glory. Glory even when we don't feel like it. But what's crazy is unlike every other religious system that's out there, Christianity alone has a founder who transcended death, who promised that his followers also will do the same. All other religions, I was thinking about this, that were founded, every last one of them, a prophet or a good person, all of them are dead. But today... Jesus lives. But he didn't just die for his own vindication. We also learned in Romans 4.25, he was delivered up for our trespasses, but he was raised for our justification. It's the same word, vindication. All of us in here, when he was raised up, we too now were vindicated. We were declared to be absolutely innocent before God. And this is what we celebrate on this particular day. Every last one of you that are in this room will no longer stand before God. When Jesus judges as the rightful judge, you have been vindicated in front of him so that when you stand in front of him, you are fully accepted by God, fully forgiven for all your sins. Every last one of them and every one of them up here that we talked about Friday is paid for. All of you in here are right with God and you aren't just right with God. Here's the biggest thing. All of these ones have been accepted by God. And so if you don't know Jesus, I'm here to tell you today, today is the best day in the world to believe on the name of Jesus, to bend your knee to that great king and be made right with God. That's pretty good news, isn't it? But you know those infomercials when they say, but wait, There's more. (laughs) That's generally, when I was thinking about it, where we stopped telling the good news of Jesus, but I want you to know something this morning. There is so much more even than that. See, God's son left his glory. He left his honor that he had in heaven to bring us more than, I think, just acceptance for God, just more than just to be forgiven, to be able to be now brought near to God. One of the things he also did is he brought God's saving glory, he brought God's saving honor to those who would trust and follow King Jesus. In other words now, these people are not now just only accepted, but what I talked about earlier, to be given his glory and honor and praise means that we are more than that. We are sons and daughters of the King Most High. We aren't just anybody. He brought this to us, and I think this is the beauty of the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus Christ came, this is what's so powerful. He came to earth. He took on the form of human. The the, the writer of Philippians, a guy named Paul, talked about this. Is that when he came, he lowered himself. And he didn't just lower himself any old way. He took on even the form of a slave. He became one who then died like a criminal. He took and he took upon himself so much shame and dishonor that was owed us. We are the ones who have rejected God. But yet in his goodness, think about this, according to Colossians 2, when he took that on himself, he defeated shame. Now that is also powerful. Today, even right now, God proved it, and this is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. He bore our shame, but in bearing our shame, he did not stay there. See, three days later, somebody sent me a joke today. They said, uh, who is the guy guy that uh, had the tomb for Jesus? Good answer. Okay. They said, Joseph, are you sure you want to give up your tomb? And he said, yeah, it's totally cool. Jesus just needs it for three days. Anyway, boom. (laughs) But the grave couldn't hold him. And the whole story of the Bible is that Jesus didn't stay in shame. Instead, it says he was lifted to the very right hand of the Father, the position of great honor and power and glory and praise. Our king is no longer the humble, meek servant. When we see that king again, he's not just coming back as anybody. He's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And right now, even at this moment, angels surround the throne of God and they sing of his greatness nonstop. He entered shame, defeated shame, was raised in glory and honor and praise. And let me just tell you something. Because of that, you and I will never be put to shame. That's cool. Now, here's why I think this is so important. Over the last few years, couple years, man, I'll tell you what, I think shame was one of the biggest fears that we had. We were afraid of like saying something. How many of you were afraid of saying something right now in this kind of heated, charged atmosphere because people would think, you know, you're a, I don't know, misogynist, racist. I mean, you're just like, oh my gosh, how do I speak in the world today? Because if I say something, I'm gonna be rejected by my group of people. We're afraid of something from our past coming out, aren't we? I mean, it's like, oh man, I hope I didn't say anything stupid, right? You're going back and you're totally cleansing everything on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter because you don't want to ever be shamed by people and shunned away. I think this is what's so powerful no matter what you have done. You will never be shunned and shamed by God because now you are fully accepted in King Jesus because when King Jesus even prayed the night before he had gone, he said, go Father. Now I give my glory to them and every one of you in here no longer sit in shame, but because of the work of King Jesus, you live in glory. Never ever to be rejected by the Father but there's more. And one of the things that I think is so cool is found in 1 Peter 2. Now, I'm going to try to do this. Hopefully, I can do it. I've only been able to do it one time well. Not only are you brought near to God, but one of the other cool things is is I think some of us are afraid of being rejected because we might lose family, we might lose friends, we might lose our people. But in 1 Peter, again, one of those guys I told you was really near to Jesus, it says as you come to him as a living stone, rejected maybe by people, but what's so crazy, and this is what I think these rocks represent, you're precious. I'm not talking, you know, like Lord of the Rings precious, okay, I'm not talking that. (laughs) These rocks that represent people, there's something so powerful about this. God looks at every single one of us, our flaws and our foibles and all, and through the person of Jesus, we're precious. We're not just anybody. And then what he is then doing is he says, you yourselves, like living stones, you're being built together in this powerful way. And I see it's not working. It's gonna work though. Cheer for me or something. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He says in there that we're being built into something incredible. We're being built into it. He calls it the spiritual house. Though we might lose family, though we might lose friends, though we might lose our people, never forget this if you're a follower of Jesus. Once you have been brought into the family, you never lose your sonship or the fact that you are a daughter. You are always (laughs) accepted. You are God's people. The death, burial, and resurrection was a declaration of that so now not only are you fully accepted but i would say it this way you've been brought into an honorable family with an honorable father because of the honorable work of king jesus but wait there's more See, in all that, as he puts together this house, we sometimes wonder, well, how in the world is he ever gonna do this? How does he have the power to be able to do it? See, there's a way in which, and can I get the light shut off? There's a way in which now he's going to, oh, stay up there, good. You got this? Be, be prepared to be awed. <laughs> now, oh, thank you, you make me feel better. Now one of the things that we learn in verse nine of 1 Peter is that now this is how our identity comes to be shaped. We become a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. But now not only are we a part of an honorable family but we have a purpose. We have a purpose to be now these ones who proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, we become this beacon of hope to the world that though our world is broken and falling apart and though while we still have brokenness, God is taking broken people and building them together into a spiritual house, into a people, and God is healing our brokenness, which becomes a proclamation to the world that God is at work. If you're a part of Cornerstone or or any of the good churches here in town, we have so many in this particular area. You aren't just anybody, you don't just have any purpose. You've now been granted the right to join God in what He's doing and proclaiming the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We have a life now with purpose. But like I said sometimes man it feels like we don't have the power to be able to pull that off how can we do this well let me just say it this way the entire Bible is loaded with our God having proof that he has all power our God in Genesis 1 spoke and the entire universe came into existence our God led Joshua down the battle of Jericho but he also stopped the sun for three hours that's not bad by the way Elisha was having the battle with the prophets. God caused water-soaked wood with water-soaked sacrifice to come to life in fire. Our King Jesus declared to the wind, be still, and it stopped. Our King spoke to those who were sick and healed them. Our King spoke to demons and they shuddered in horror and terror as they fled from him. If you ever wonder where is the power to pull this off, this is the other thing, is that now this God who loves us, if he is for us, then the question is, who can be against us? The answer, no one. When King Jesus died upon that cross, he died and it seemed he was so weak, but as he entered into that particular moment of dying in weakness, we know that he was raised in power. He demonstrated that power in such a way that now we become something different. The way that Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians is we become these jars of clay and this is kind of what these rocks represent, these these ones that in some ways we feel so so brittle and like we don't fit and how are we gonna do this and we might even feel a little bit cracked. But that's to show that we don't have power. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And I would say for in this world in which we live, we're so afraid of being weak. And that's why Paul says we're afflicted in every way. We're we're these groups of people, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, but why? So that this life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. God isn't just anybody. He's a God that now those that have the spirit of God with him, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, that kind of power is alive in us. It's not a power to take over governments. We don't have to get in cahoots with the political party. I love that. We don't have to get in cahoots. If you're someone in here, maybe a teenager or younger, you always feel like you got to appease your friends because you think somehow they have a power that they can hand off to you. If you're a follower of King Jesus, you don't need their power. Jesus Christ declared when he came back from the grave, all authority on earth as it is in heaven has been given to me. And if you are in Christ, you have access to that power. Now, parents are like, did you hear that? I want you to be good kids in school. But parents, did you hear that? Did you hear it? You aren't just anybody. As kids of the King, you have been fully accepted. As kids of the King, you've been made honorable and brought into an honorable family to make much of Jesus Christ. But also then, as we live in this world We have access to the very King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That means we don't have to fear anything. See, that's the other thing I saw over the pandemic. We were so afraid. But as groups of people in here, never forget who you are. Your dad is the God of the universe you have been fully accepted in to be one of his very own. You've been made part of his family. And because of that, every single one of you in here, that doesn't mean we won't go through hardship or heartache or difficulty or even death. But Jesus promised when he left, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I've got you. So here's what I wanna do this morning. I wanna pray a prayer over all of you. It's a prayer that Paul had when he was writing this letter to this group of people in in Ephesus. He was going to tell them in this letter hey, just so you guys know, you're fully accepted by God in Christ. He was going to tell them later on, you're part of this honorable family now with a purpose. He was gonna remind them again that in, in Ephesians 6, that it might seem like there are so many demonic forces and governmental forces and all those things out there that we think are gonna be more powerful, but he wanted to remind them that their God was king above all things. But at the very beginning of the letter then, he knew he needed to pray for them, and this is what he said to them. Now listen to it, and this is, this is how I'm gonna finish. He said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ The Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you might know what the hope is to which you've been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, in other words, the fact that you are fully accepted in Christ. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come your father is powerful and intends to work powerfully through you. And he put all things under his feet And gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, his honorable family, of which you're a part that has purpose in this world, the fullness of him who feels all in all. So how is God gonna restore a broken world? Through broken people. Isn't that crazy? Would you ever made the plan to work through broken people to bring wholeness to your world? I was thinking about this the other day. I asked my, one of my younger kids to come help me do something. I said, okay, buddy, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna mow the lawn. I said, do you think you could handle it? He looked at me and he goes, yeah, dad. And as I started to work on the yard, I lost him. <laughs> Pulled him back in, we had a rally moment. I said, buddy, You ready to mow the lawn? He goes, yeah, dad. Two minutes later, he was shooting baskets at our hoop. (laughs) By this time, I'm about halfway done with my yard and I look over him and I pull him back together. We have a rally moment together. And I said, bud, let's do this, man. We got the backyard. That's all we have to do. You ready, dad? Yeah, let's go, dad. Next thing I know, he's playing in dirt and he'd even picked up... Said dog poop was throwing it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <sighs> why in the world would I ever entrust him to come into my backyard and fix the brokenness? That's the mastery of God's plan. Taking what is broken, entering into that brokenness, and through brokenness, making what is broken whole. That's who we are. Never, ever forget who you are. We may be broken, but God uses broken people in a broken world to bring wholeness. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you're somebody here... (laughs) If you're somebody here that doesn't know our King and Lord Jesus Christ, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to share with you how to bend that knee. And so if you wanna meet me over here, Christian, wherever he is at, I think he's in here. Wave your hand, Christian, if you're here. Over here, that's the worst spot. I can't see that way. Uh, Christian's gonna be over here. Mike's over here. I'm sure there'll be other people over there. If you'd like to talk how it is that you can know this God who has fully accepted you in Christ if you come by faith, who has fully made you now one who's honored and part of an honorable family with purpose, we'll be over there. And if you are seeking that power to be gone, gone from broken to whole, we'd love to talk to you. God bless you all. God bless each and every one of you. He is risen.